Okay, so um, yeah, there have been books in the zillion probably written about making changes. Um, and there are lots of theories and models of change, but I'm just going to talk through one. Um, and this is the model that I find the most helpful in terms of understanding how we make change, how we sustain change. Um, so I'm just going to very briefly chat you through the, the model. So when we start, we all enter this phase of pre-contemplation. Now that's the time where, you know, we say, I ought to exercise more. I ought to drink less. I ought to obey the speed limits. There's all sorts of things that we all vaguely think we ought to do, but we're not really doing them and we're not really serious at that point. Um, and then something might happen where you go and you think, actually, I really ought to do that. You know, maybe you've been you know, pulled over by the police for going too fast. Um, maybe you've uh, noticed that you're putting on that little bit of weight or getting a bit unfitter. So you start to seriously think, yeah, this is something I really want to do. Um, next step, you think about, actually, I really, really want to do this, and this is what I think I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to make a plan. This is how I'm going to particularly address this and actually make the change. And you probably spend a bit of time doing that. Then you go off and, and do the next stage, which is the whole action bit. You do it. You get out there. You make your change. Then, you, of course, you need to maintain your change, keep going at it. But as Rich says, we'll all inevitably or often relapse, go backwards, go back to, to where we were before. Now, my best example of some of this is um, actually came to a head this week. Um, so, you know, just over a year ago, every Thursday morning, I'd drop the kids at school and I'd go for a swim. I like swimming, I enjoyed swimming, it wasn't particularly a chore for me. Um, but then life got in the way. Life got a bit busy and I stopped going. And actually, I, you know, around Christmas, I was sort of thinking, I really ought to start going for a swim. But it was a bit just of a thought. I was just sort of in that pre-contemplation stage. After Christmas, the scales told they're inevitable. And I thought, oh, seriously, I need to get out and start swimming. Um, you know, but... It was still cold, you know, really didn't fancy it, really. There were zillions of reasons every Thursday why I couldn't go for a swim. I had housework to do or other work to do, so I never quite got round to it. But it was there. I was planning. I knew swimming was the exercise I was going to do. Then on Thursday morning, Rich dropped me an email about meeting up just to chat through this morning. I said, That'd be great. Shall we meet for coffee? And Rich said, yeah, let's meet for coffee. Um, there's the Costa at the University of Birmingham Swimming Pool, which is actually where I have my membership, um, that afternoon. So I thought, okay, I've got to go swimming. I can do my swim before I meet Rich. Went swimming. Actually remembered when I got in the pool, I really enjoyed this. You know, actually having had that sort of catalyst to change, had a swim, had a chat with Rich great, I will be swimming again every Thursday, 
when I relapse and stop going swimming on Thursdays, somebody please tell me. <laughs> Dawn, you can tell me when you see me in the surgery at 8.30, you can say, why aren't you swimming? So, you know, I will inevitably relapse and I'll probably need another sort of catalyst or something going on to make me go back down and do the action. So, you know, that's just a good example of like how you make change and you're going to maintain change. Fantastic. Um, this thing has been hugely helpful to me since you've kind of uh, showed... I had not seen this, and this has been really helpful. Um, using this with patients or teaching um, medical students or uh, GPs to use this with patients, um, what have you seen can be some of the common... Uh, stumbling blocks in this process uh, to, to change? When you see patients who struggle to implement changes, what, what are some of the uh, stumbling blocks? And then on the other side, more positively, what are some of the things that really seem to uh, help people make those changes? So I think the other really important thing with this particular sort of approach to understanding making change, and I'd have to say, when I was sort of that medical student, fresh out of medical school, you want to change the world, and your approach is very much about trying to change everything in people. You know, you don't want them just to stop smoking, you want them to exercise, you want them to drink less, you know. This is your moment to help people to get really healthy. Downside of that is you really annoy people because, uh, you know, actually, if somebody's not even thinking about making a particular change and you go, you've got to stop smoking, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, they're just going to think and not do any of it. So the key thing is about working out where people are and that can be working out where we ourselves are or where other people are and moving them a stage round that cycle. So, you know, again, a good example of where it works is, and I tell people, oh, at least 10 times a day, probably, that they need to stop smoking, for example. Now, if I say to somebody, you know, are you a smoker? Yes, they go, and I'm not going to stop. There's no point in me saying, well, you need to go to stop smoking services, you need to do this, you need to do that, because they are just not going to do it. They're in the pre-contemplation phase. So then my job is to just move them on a little bit onto contemplating. So I'll say in that scenario, have you thought about vaping? And that will be the end of the conversation. So I think a lot of what we need to do is understand where we are, where other people are, and just support people a little bit, just to move a little bit further on. Fantastic. Otherwise, it all goes totally wrong, and people don't come and see you ever again, and they really, really don't like you. You could <laughs> produce yourself lots more free time just doing that. And you yeah, a bit of free patients. time, that'd be great, yes. <laughs> um, perhaps lastly, um, how do you see this intersecting with the Christian faith and being part of a faith community, um, either with this model or more generally, how do you think um, being part of a, a, a community of faith can help in change? Yeah. So, you know, I went back to my earlier questions. I think one of, our, one of our other sort of thoughts, and, you know, we all think, you know, I ought to invite more people to church. I ought to evangelize more. I need to tell more people about, about Jesus. And I think, you know, I'm probably not on my own in finding sometimes that can be quite difficult, particularly out in the world and people who aren't, aren't Christians, who aren't part of the church. Um, and for me, one of the really big changes over the last few years is we've been involved in a work-life group where we study various sort of 
books about work and the impact of being a Christian at, at work. And there's been lots of things that we've le I've learned through that. But I guess one of the biggest sort of examples is if you went back five years, I would probably never talk to people about the fact that I was a Christian at work. Um, now I find that I do have opportunities where I can start to talk about being a Christian and, and actually not being so frightened to enter into that. So I think being part of a community is about actually equipping and supporting us all with actually how do we do that? How do we open up those conversations? Um, as well as being part of a community in terms of supporting you where you do want to make a change and giving you that support in terms of actually how might I do it. Yeah, fantastic. Brilliant. Um, can we thank Barbara for coming and sharing her insights? Thanks so much. In all that we're talking about today, I um, want to, I guess, take an opportunity to speak up that, that last message of, of community. And um, change is hard. And grappling with the guilt that we feel about the idea of change is hard. And actually, that's one of the reasons God puts us together, is change is a community project. And uh, kind of not in a heavy-handed way, like now everyone's watching you to see if you have a third Yorkie, but like we want to get alongside one another and be the kind of uh, arm around the shoulder and the, and the strength, and we want to help each other in this. So I want to kind of speak that up as well. Um, Johnny. Well, I have sneaked up here without anyone noticing. Sorry if that was a surprise. I'm just going to be the question master here. And while I'll ask Rich later whether they actually still make Yorkies, because I've never seen one in a shop for a long while, um, I've got some other more profound questions. So I'm just going to shoot. We've, we've got a little bit of time. I'm going to go super fast, see how many we can get through. We might have time for one from the floor as well. But let's go. You ready, guys? These are hard questions. These guys haven't let you off easy. Okay, first one, if I can get my phone back on. My fingerprints to recognize. Um, is self-acceptance enough to gain security and change? And if so, why do we need God? Is self-acceptance enough to gain security and change? If so, why do we need God? Thank you. So, yes, thinking about that uh, concept of the motive, and if we're motivating from love, acceptance, and peace, uh, and that should be, that, that's kind of a healthier way to move towards change. Uh, but why would we need God in that? Um, I'm just going to, I'm not going to get into philosophizing with you. I'm going to speak from personal experience um, that I think that it's incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult to do the following things. Be honest about, I'm just going to talk about me, be honest about all of my flaws and all of my insecurities and all of my struggles and to accept myself in a way that motivates me to change. I can accept myself in a way that makes me go, ah, oh, that kind of gets me off the hook. Yes, I'm kind of 10 pounds too big or whatever it might be, but I'm just going to be fine with that. Um, and we can do that kind of in our insecurities. We can say, I'm okay with myself. I'm okay with my flaws. I think that is a healthy thing. But what I think the Christian faith does is you get this full love, this full acceptance, this full grace, but also then you get a God who says, and I love you enough to not leave you as you are. I love you as you are, but I love you too much to leave you as you are. And I'm going to walk with you and show you. And things that you don't even know the way, I'm going to show you. And things you don't even know you need to grow in, I'm going to grow you. And things that you don't even know what it would look like to grow in, I'm going to do in your life. And so I think that the kind of the love, acceptance, and grace of God is unique because he, from his 
throne in heaven, then says, and I will now walk with you through your life and grow you and deeply change you. It's not simply become okay with all of your weird stuff. It's God accepts you and then commits to walking with you um, through change. And I found that to be very helpful in my life. Uh, because of that, that question leads on to another one here. I'm going to throw this in, and I'll go back to you, and Barbara, you're more than happy to uh, chip in after that. Is You say about, um, I'm not happy to leave you as you are, but this question says, if God loves and accepts me as I am, why does he want to change me at all? After all, didn't he create me, uh, create me as I am with all my traits and characteristics? So this idea, you don't just leave me as I am, well, why not? Yeah. Um, there would be an unhealthy way for someone to come in and say, I'm going to change you. If anyone's ever been in a, a manipulative relationship like that, I'm, I'm, uh, the goal of the other person is to change me. And then they don't like me, and they're going to change me. All right, And that, that's a really unhealthy thing. But I, I think really anyone would reflect internally and think, there are things about me that it would be very positive to grow in. Things about me that it would be wonderful to change. And that's God's heart in change. It isn't coming in and seeing your sense of humor and going, I don't like that, I'm going to make you boring. Or uh, seeing your hair and saying, I don't like that, it should be like this. It's not, it's not change for the sake of it. He comes in and saying, I see how you struggle in this area, and I want you to grow. And isn't that the heart of any of us with our friends? We don't want to change them so that we'll accept them. But if they're struggling, we want to walk with them. We want to, grow, we want to see them grow, see them flourish, be all they can be. And so it's, it's that. It's God's heart towards us is so loving that he doesn't want us stuck in all of the things that we, um, in all of our worst traits. He wants to say, no, I love you, but I'm going to walk with you and grow you. Yeah. Great. Barbara, do you have anything to that? Perfect. So, Rich, you don't need to change that answer. That was perfect. Um, I, I've got. Um, I've, I've handed Barbara on to think about in a minute, but because we're kind of there's a flow to this, I'll, I'll go to this one then. If we're we're talking about change, how God can help in change, why change might be good in some ways. How do we discern which changes are driven by our personal desires and which are the changes God wants for us? And to put that, I suppose, uh, in another way, which changes are good changes and which changes are bad changes how might we go about that one yes yes this this is a challenging thing because lots of people have different visions of what growth would look like and uh, some people would say you know growth is being incredibly rigidly disciplined with my finances and others would say growth is being incredibly loose and free and recklessly generous with my finances and how, how do we discern what we're talking about when we're saying we want to have positive change? Um, I'll say a few quick things. Firstly, uh, one of the beautiful things about the Christian faith is that God did not remain invisible. God became visible in a human being in the person of Jesus. And so when we talk about growing to be more like God, that can sound quite abstract, but actually he, the God, the abstract became God, the very, very, very obviously tangible and concrete in front of us in Jesus. And Jesus shows us what a good life looks like. And so I'd say, firstly, it's not just change in general. It's change to become more like Jesus. That's one of the uh, advantages of the Christian faith is that the vision of the good life was a human being who did brilliantly <laughs> and we follow him. 
The second thing I'd say is we can learn from one another in community. And um, I think that's part of the role of the church and friendships within the church is if you get an idea... um, So say, at the risk of banging on about this, but say I start banging on about my weight loss so much that I think that becomes everything in life, I need to be in a community that helps me go, hey, are you thinking about that healthily? Is that the right way to think about that? And we can correct one another and support one another and direct one another in good change. And I think that comes from uh, following leaders. It comes from listening to the wisdom of others. It comes from being in people from different cultures so that you don't get just sucked into your blind spots, different ages so you don't get sucked into your blind spots. And together as a community, we can model what it means to live this life well And uh, I think that's really important. If you're out on your own trying to change, that's quite vague. But actually, if you're together in a community seeking to follow Jesus, I think that can help us. Because I think Rich looks quite trim, actually, in my opinion. Would you say as a doctor, as part of the community? Yeah, maybe we can do this thing later. Good. Uh, Really good. Barb, would you add anything to that one? No. No? Okay. Okay. Um, Should we move on to this one here? What was it again? What, what is the best way to build discipline effectively? Again, linking all the things together. We've talked about change, how it comes from God, um, how it's a good thing to change sometimes. Um, and we, we've talked about different involvement of God and motivation. That, But there isn't, I, I guess most of us would think there's a need for discipline um, and self-control and things like that. Barbara, any thoughts on this one? Thank you. Um, so I think, again, it, it's, very, it's, it's always going to be challenging to change. And I think I'll take you right back to the beginning and, and Rich's initial statement that, you know, change is, change is difficult. So I think practically speaking, it's, it's work out what you want to do. Um, it's really set yourself some realistic targets as well. Because if you, back to the bit of the New Year's resolution, if you set your aspiration up here, you're always going to fail. Always. Um, And you're certainly never going to get there. So again, back to my experience in helping people with change, is set yourself a very achievable target. Work out back to that cycle, how am I going to do it? Get your plan in place to do it. Get some support in place, and this comes back to being part of the church community. So, you know, who's going to help you? Who's going to support you with doing that? Then do it and and try and maintain it. If you don't, then, you know, you, you learn from failing. We all learn from failing all the time. I learn from my mistakes every day. Every day I make, back to, you know, three Yorkie bars, I make far more than three mistakes per day. (laughs) Could be more than three, a lot more than three. Um, But I make lots of mistakes every day. But part of it is, you know, learning from that. And actually, when you start to try and make that change again, you've learned, you're more experienced, you know what you're likely to need to stop yourself relapsing. And you can just continue to develop and move up. So be realistic, get support, and learn from when you don't get it right. Mm. 